It was uh, several years ago. I was at a church conference deal. I don't even remember much about the conference, but I remember going through one of the, you know, the hall where all the vendors' tables were. And one of the, one of the vendors was giving away DVDs, which actually just had come out. And it seemed like just yesterday, right? And it, I thought, oh, great, it's free. I didn't know what it was about. It didn't really matter to me. It was free. So I grabbed it and stuck it in my bag. It had a picture, though, on the cover of an, an Asian girl, little girl. She looked sad, but I brought the thing home, and we just kind of, I think it bounced around in our house from the top of the refrigerator to the dining room table. You know how that goes. And sooner or later, my wife and I said, oh, let's, let's see this thing. Let's look at it. And so we popped it in, and it was the story of uh, New, of uh, this little girl who was uh, sold for a weekend, uh, and then sold again and again. And, you know, my eyes were open. I had no clue this kind of thing actually went on. And my heart was broken. And from that point on, I was saying, how in the world can I get involved? This, this shouldn't be happening. How can we fix this? And I called for years. I'd called different uh, denominational uh, leaders, parachurch organizations. And uh, at that point, if they were doing anything, it was pretty secretive. And so no one really wanted to share a whole lot uh, when... Uh, Fast forward a little bit, Scott Shuffield comes to the church several years ago, and so Scott and I sit down and I say, Scott, this is on my heart. And he says, well, it's on my heart as well, so let's figure out what we can do. And so we renewed this quest and we interviewed different places and different people, and I don't know how, but we got connected with Remember New. And the crazy thing is, that was the organization that sent out that DVD that I got years earlier. And in all honesty, when I talked to Carl on the phone, Scott and I interviewed him. I was a bit skeptical and somewhat jaded, and so I kept going after this guy with questions. They were pretty in-your-face questions, and I was amazed at his graciousness, at his humility, at his knowledge. It was just a, a wonderful experience. If you remember, two years ago, he was here. Uh, we had Carl here, and when he spoke, we were so gripped by what he said that uh, before the day was over, Ah, see, the body it was supporting multiple homes, two in Kenya and I think two in Thailand as, as well. It wasn't supported through the church proper, but just through us. Then last year, Carl and New herself were here, and that was uh, fascinating. This year, what we've got is, is David and Rosalind Lewis. They are the directors of one of our homes in Kenya. So if you support one of the, the kids in Kenya, these guys know them, uh, at least have supervising their supervisors. And so we're glad that y'all are here. Thanks for taking the time for being out. I know you came from a long ways. You, you're all the way here from Kenya. You came from just northeast Ohio. But thank you. Actually, they're both in northeast Ohio now. But David, why don't you tell us, start, just give us a little uh, history of yourself, how you came to know Christ. That would be great. Okay. Well, thank you, Pastor. Um, thank you for allowing us to come here this weekend. Uh, it's just been a, a pleasure to, to talk and and if you were at the uh, presentation last night to go through some of the slides and see what happens kind of behind the scenes sometimes. Uh, I was born and raised in northeast Ohio, a uh, suburb of Cleveland, and um, I came to know Jesus uh, through a Billy Graham crusade. And <clears throat> we know Billy Graham, and he was in Cleveland in the mid-'90s, and I actually uh, did kind of the altar call when I was watching the rebroadcast on TV. And... Uh, you know, my life has changed. It hasn't been real smooth since, but I'm, I'm just trusting the Lord as, as he brings me along. And um, it's interesting how Rosen will talk a little bit about her experience, but my vast 
international experience out in the world was going to Canada a couple times and uh, before I started going to Kenya. So um, God opened up doors that I never imagined were possible. But I just thank God for, for what he's continuing to do in me. And David, you are not full-time new. No. You've got a day job. Yes. Uh, and what do you do? So I'm, I'm still in the corporate world. I'm a manager at an electronics manufacturing firm. And I started there right out of college, and it'll be 37 years this summer. But uh, God has made opportunities to still, even with that, uh, to explore and open up doors that uh, I've tried to have been faithful to, to walk in even Though I just love this song, When Oceans Rise, because when you take that step, when it feels like it's too deep, that's when God shows up the most, is when it's more, less out of our control and more in his control. So I'm, I'm really kind of, I'm trying to change God's mind to, to get me out of that corporate world and more into ministry, but he knows better than I do. So I'm just trying to be patient with him. The cool thing that encourages me about that is we think I've got to leave the corporate world to be involved, obviously that's not the case, not, not for, for you guys. It's not the case, and even through that, um, he's even used that being in the corporate world to talk about people here and my job and uh, to make raise more awareness of the children that still need to be sponsored as, as there are here. So um, nothing's wasted, and God uses every, every opportunity and every minute to... Uh, used for his glory. Well, let me just mention this. At the end, you know, they'll be at a table in the, the lobby if, let's just say, you're in the corporate world right now and you're thinking, maybe God can use me that way. Stop by and talk to them. Now, R- Rosalind, share with us a little bit how you came to know Christ because you, you were born and raised in Kenya. And I don't know if the folk know, that's a, pretty much a Christian nation. Catholic Church is very strong. That's your background. Sh- share with us how you came to know Christ. Thank you, Pastor. So, um, as um, Pastor shared, uh, um, in Kenya, it's a largely Christian uh, nation. Uh, we have some Muslims, but uh, we have different denominations, of which I was part of one, the Catholic Church. And I grew up really uh, wanting to please God and feeling like I had to earn his love. Uh, I didn't have a concept of grace. And so because I wanted to do, be a good girl and on God's love, I used to do everything extra I could. I even used to come to church early and wipe the pews, you know, and, you know, help out any way that I could. But deep down in my heart, I knew that um, I, I wasn't good enough. I, I just was trying. I was trying, but I, I wasn't good enough. And I knew I couldn't on God's love. But um, as, I, I, as I went on uh, trying to, to serve God, in his mercy, he knows your heart. Uh, at that point, uh, when I was around 23 or so, an American um, uh, born again Catholic believer came to Kenya to give a conference, and I got the chance to attend it because I was in youth then and the youth ministry, and I was key in um, evangelistic outreaches, and they wanted people to go and uh, be part of it. And when I went, he talked about primarily before you even think about going to talk to anybody about evangelization you need to know jesus you need to make a decision for him yourself and uh so he didn't even make an altar call he said you know what i want you to do it in your way uh but you have to make a decision at some point you cannot ride on your parents faith or other people's faith you have to make a decision for yourself. And so I went to my room that day and I knelt down and I gave my life to Jesus. Did I know what it meant? No. But 
God saw my heart and he walked me um, down the path of salvation to the level that I left my job at that time in the corporate world. I was a secretary in the Egyptian embassy um, to the third person after the, the ambassador. And uh, God just drew me out and called me into ministry. And I served in full-time ministry as youth minister and women's uh, for ministry for about, um, about 15 years or so before I came to America. And I met the love of my life, and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you grew up in Kenya. Mm-hmm. All right, pretend, this might be a bit of a, that most of us are not international, and mm-hmm. most of us have not been to Kenya. Uh, help us understand Kenya. Just describe it, a couple of words that would describe Kenya, and maybe some of the uh, similarities and differences mm-hmm. between us and... Okay. Um, like I shared in the first service, the major difference is the weather. It's mean, not as cold as this. <laughs> and when I first came, I, I was, I, 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 I lost count of the layers of clothing I used to wear. <laughs> and you know, your blood really does get thicker after a couple of years. Sometimes I don't have my gloves on. He has his gloves. I'm coming out only the jacket. It's like what? <laughs> so I thank God for that. So the weather we have very beautiful weather all through the year you know when we were growing up we used to find it funny when uh, anyone would come from europe or america and they'd be like singing oh beautiful weather and we look at them like huh you know because it was like that every day for us <laughs> there was no difference i didn't know there would be a day when i come out and i see the sun and i'm like oh thank you jesus <laughs> <laughs> she's an area she's an area <laughs> That was one of the greatest differences, the weather. But I got to appreciate the different seasons. I really do. I love the autumn with the different colors and everything. I love the snow a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> if I can go in the sled just a little bit and, you know, then Christmas. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but another, another big difference um, was from the religious uh, aspect. Uh, like I shared again in the first service, uh, we are predominantly Christian and we exercise the freedom of religion very differently from here. A freedom of religion for us means that people can exercise it the way they want, where they want, how they want. Sometimes they abuse it with loudspeakers and everything, but you know, it's your thing. You listen to them if you want to, if you don't want to, you keep on walking. But, um, so it's different than, and you can even walk into a public school as long as your credentials have been approved and uh, they have a session where you can speak to the to the students about Jesus and for the Muslims if they want to hear about Allah wherever they go to their their classes and hear about it so when I came that was kind of uh, I was a bit afraid even I didn't I didn't know what to expect and I remember I used to ride the bus and I, went, I was like I don't know should I tell the person about Jesus will they be offended at work and but God's been guiding me through it and um, I'm getting courage I work in a nursing home now and uh, when I get an opportunity I, I do I do I dare to be uh, politically incorrect and ask them <laughs> and ask them, do you, would you like to pray? Mm-hmm. And I, I know one thing is the same everywhere that people are hungry for Jesus. Yeah. They might not recognize it and they feel it with many things, just like at home it is here. Um, the hunger for Jesus is real. And 
Another major difference is, is, is the size. When I came here, the size and the speed of everything was overwhelming. I mean, I never saw so many cereals from which to choose from. Yeah. I, never, I never walked into a restaurant and got asked so many questions until I don't know what I want to eat anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so the variety was a bit overwhelming at first. But, um, yeah, I'm getting used to it. I love it. <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, right, is... is, is safari sort of thing the tourism you have lions and those kind of things just roaming the streets in in Kenya as it were (laughs) yeah we did have a couple of lions roaming the streets the other day they got away from the park (laughs) but that doesn't happen too often don't be afraid of coming (laughs) so So, um, this is true it really happened (laughs) oh man okay yeah Nairobi one of the greatest boasts of Nairobi which is the capital city of Kenya where I grew up, uh, is that we are the only, I think, uh, city in the world that has a national park within the city. It's, we have a huge national park, and uh, unfortunately, you know how man is, we encroach on the land of the animals, and when you encroach on their land, they will come out. So a couple of them did get away at some point, some lions and uh, yeah, unfortunately for now, they, they have the situation under control. They're, they're where they belong. <laughs> so safari is actually a Swahili word meaning a journey, you know, a journey. And, you know, it's, it's been adapted to mean you go on um, tours and all that and tour drive. But it, it actually means a journey. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys came to, I'm assuming you met here, probably in northeast Ohio. Yes, we met while we were here. We met online. I met online. Okay, there you go. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> now, what is it that pulled you to remember you? You're, you're giving your time, your energy, your heart there. A lot of different places you could be doing that. Why remember new? Thank you. Um, so when we saw the, the video of Carl Ralston talking, uh, he's actually... Uh, a native of Akron, Ohio, kind of like in our backyard. So he's a local guy, and he actually went to seminary with a couple of our pastors. We go to Destiny CMA Church in Twinsburg. And um, so through a couple connections there, he had asked if we would be, as he started opening homes in Kenya, the, the homes there, there's almost 20 now. It's amazing how fast they've grown. I think they're only second behind Thailand in countries in the world with, with just the sheer number of homes and children. Um, and we were approached that they were looking for, which Cindy Shuffield is here, family home coordinator. And we have a little bit of an advantage here with a, with a native. And um, so that really worked out. For me, it was like, hmm, okay, that, that's kind of nice. And we had heard statistics about even in uh, Toledo, Ohio, of all places, if you've heard this, is one of the highest trafficked areas in the United States for children, Toledo, Ohio. And uh, when we started hearing some facts and figures, it's like it didn't seem like that was my thing. Um, but when we kind of heard about that, it's like, oh, maybe we get to go. And then, boy, the first time in the home, it was just it was just a transformation for me just to actually see what's really going on there. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, part of my testimony, which is quite extensive, maybe one day I get to share more here, uh, is that I was brought up by my mom and my stepmom and my dad. And I knew that at some point uh, that my mom was alive, they really, it was like one of those skeletons 
in the closet that you never speak about. So I never really knew the details behind her leaving me, and I only got to know her um, in my 30s. As one can imagine, um, having such a a background uh, makes you grow wounded and um, desire for uh, love, unconditional love, because I remember one of the scriptures the first scriptures that I knew was from Isaiah 49, where it says, Does, can a mother forsake a baby, a woman, the child within her womb? And I hated that scripture because I used to say, yes, my mother forsook me. And uh, when I gave my life to the Lord and I started really reading my scriptures, I got open my eyes to the latter part of that scripture where it says, even if a mother forsake her baby, or a woman, the child within her womb, I will never ever forsake you and I knew that I was loved and I, as I received that father heart and mother motherly love from the father my greatest desire was to make other children especially and young people who were broken like myself know the love of the father and um, I did it in what ways I knew through youth ministry when I was back home and through speaking to women because a lot of women back home uh they're bringing up some children who are not theirs. Some could be like stepchildren. Some could be cousins. Because it's very common in the, in, the, in the African tradition to take other people's children. So I used to create awareness in them that you need to extend love to these children. And when I came to America, I was trying to pray about what, how God is going to help me extend this love and show this love. And uh, one woman once spoke to me and told me, I feel God is telling you that you're going to be uh, working with children's homes and I was thinking in my heart are you kidding me children's homes I'm gonna kill somebody's child because <laughs> <laughs> I knew that I didn't have the patience with that you know I love them but I don't know if I can stay with them 24 7 20 kids and I'm like oh god and um but after a couple of years of hearing this word and just saying okay god if it's you but I don't know how that can work uh, is when Carl approached our our church, Destiny, and uh, asked if we could take on a home in Kenya. And the pastors, knowing that I was Kenyan, they were like, great, we have a Kenyan. We have somebody who can lie with them. And I was like, yeah, great. My husband's going to work with me. I'm not doing this alone. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so that's how we got involved with Remember New. And, I, and, and, and for me, it was a perfect fit because... Hey, I didn't have to be a house mother, but I could love on the kids and leave in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> like almost like a house grandmother, huh? You go spoil them and then leave. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The, the uh, uh, sex slave industry with uh, is is is, is uh, crazy in, in the world. UNICEF says there's three thousand two hundred and eighty-seven. Uh, People who are either sold into slavery or kidnapped into slavery every day. That's 136 an hour. And so if you think about that, the time we're here, uh, two hours ago, there had been 136 kids who were playing or goofing around, having a fun time. And by the time we leave, their lives will be radically, radically altered and scarred. Uh, This is a huge issue. Uh, Remember New has got 20 homes in Kenya, many kids. But how do you get your your kids? You you don't go busting down doors of brothels with AK-47s and taking people, which some people do. Mm -hmm. You don't do that. You don't do the rescue thing. 
So how do you get your kids, and, and why don't you do the rescue thing? It just reminded me, I think there's a movie, I think it's called Machine Gun Preacher, who did that, and he literally went there with guns and, and got kids out of uh, homes. It's a true story. Um, remember, news model is prevention, and certainly there are people who will go in and forcibly remove children, which is in itself is a great thing, but what is your follow-up with them? Um, Rose and I also do uh, prison ministry uh, through Bill Glass behind the walls, and what we found is, especially with youth, the return rate is pretty high. So when these children get out, you know, if it's a kind of a minor offense, they're there for a couple, uh, six months, a year, a couple years, if there's not a program to rehabilitate, they're going to go back to what they knew. And that's the same situation with these homes. Sure, they can rescue the girls out, but if that's all they knew from a small age, if they're not actively discipled, put in a different environment, they're going to go back because that's all they know. So remember, news philosophy is let's identify children before they even get in that and keep them out of it so they don't know, lack of a better term, what they're missing. So they're very strong on prevention. They'll identify children. They will get contacts within the countries. Hey, I know some kids who just got abandoned. I know some kids who are living in this dump, wherever it is. They'll identify Christian house parents. They try to get a couple. Usually it's, it's, a, it's a, a single a mother, and they will start bringing the children in. So it's prevention is the key for Remember New. And uh, sex trade in Kenya uh, presents itself different like it, than it does probably in other places in the world. Generally in Africa, sex trade uh, presents itself in forms of early marriage um, because in some communities they actually practice like female circumcision and uh, which is otherwise known as FGM, female, female genital mutilation because it's not supposed to be done. It's not a, it's a hard, it's not a pretty sight. And, but after they do that, normally it, they do it when they're 13 or 14, they pull them out of school literally and they marry off them off to older men. And, um, for the girls who are aware now of what is happening, they, none of them wants this for themselves. And if they get an opportunity, they run away. Right now we have two homes that is filled with girls who have run away from their families because of having to go through that procedure or before they went through that procedure, um, because they didn't want to, to get off married at 14 or 13. And so that's one of the, uh, the rescues that we do. And then there are those who come from abject poverty. And uh, there's a danger that they will get into that kind of lifestyle. And then there are those who um, unfortunately may have even ventured because the family was so poor and they're expecting something. And the, the young girl was the only one who they felt could help. And unfortunately, sometimes in the coastal areas, because of the tourism and everything, even the young boys are targeted. And uh, so we bring them in uh, from such circumstances, and uh, we, we give them an opportunity to uh, have a home setting, education, until they are able to stand on their own. What's a, 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 just a regular day like for one of these kids? What do they, what do? They do? Uh, I, my, my, our, my wife and I support uh, charity. Oh. What will her day look like in her home in Kenya? Okay. Um, 
a day in a home in Kenya would, uh, would start, of course, with waking up and having breakfast. Uh, um, most homes have, uh, apart from the house parent, they employ one or two people, Christians, what they call like the auntie or what, that will be the person responsible, especially for breakfast, because these are children who are going to school, the what, and they, they help, they prepare breakfast for them, they have breakfast, and then they go off to school, if it's a school day. Some of them, are, they try to get schools that are close, especially if they don't have vans, we're still trying to get vans for all the homes back there, but we still don't. But the ones who go far, they're taken by vans, or they try and look for some other means of transport. And if it's not a school day, then they, they, they're home doing their homework, just like any other children here. And uh, sometimes they have outings. They take them to the park. They take them swimming. You know, and they try to do other extracurricular activities. If it's a Sunday, some of them will go to church. And then in some homes, because they have a bigger number and they might have a close affiliation with the pastor, the pastor will come into the community and have a children's service for them. And then uh, at the end of the day, uh, they generally have what they call like an evening devotion. And the children are very good about this. They're, they're the ones who like even animate it. They prepare the songs. They prepare, you know, scriptures. And when we were there, Dave and myself, like to the home uh, that we sponsor, they, I mean, they pray for us. So, I mean, like amazingly, it's like a blessing, you know, to get the prayer from them. And one thing that they are uh, in the African traditional culture, we love to sing and dance. So they always like preparing songs and what. And when you visit any of these homes, the first thing you're told, sit down. And then the next thing is you have all the entertainment over there for you and all that. So they, they also spend a lot of time singing and dancing and preparing songs like for anyone who'd like to come in here. Yeah, 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 that's fantastic. Um, the, the support structure for, for new, it's a little bit unique. Um, how, does that, how does that work? Well, for Remember New, um, and this is fairly recently, they went to um, three different levels. And some of you who are sponsors, you, you know these. Uh, they have a parent level, which is $60 a month. And they generally try to um, just look at what is the cost of living in the country. It, it, it costs to buy food. It costs to buy clothes and uh, transportation. So there's, there's real cost in running these homes. And then there's the $40 level, which is like um, auntie, uncle, grandparent. And then the $20 level is a sibling. So Carl is very, very strong on not calling ourselves sponsors, but we're mom and dad. We're auntie and uncle for the children. We're brother and sister. To give these children as much as possible a sense of family that they don't have. So a child can get a picture that, and the pictures are huge. Yes, we love to, you know, we always talk about writing letters and cards, but when you give us or you give your FHC a picture that gets over to the child, and they can look and say, here is my American family that they could never say before. They didn't have a family. So it's obviously it's one way to raise funds to run the home, but then it gives a sense of family for the children. So really sponsors is not a good word to use in front of them. It's like, Call them your mom and dad. They want to hear that. So that's the, that's the structure that they use. And they get for that, if a, a, unlike any other thing that I, I know of, organizations that are doing some great works, these guys are in a home. Mm -hmm. 
24-7. They got the school, the medical, the food, but it also takes them up through training and vocational training in college. Um, that's, that's amazing. It was it uh, last year, I think, when Carl was here, we had a special meeting after church. And, you know, Carl's very gentle and kind and gracious and nice. Uh, somebody asked him, uh, basically, why should I support New versus some other organization? And uh, I've never seen Carl feisty before, but he got a little bit feisty on this one. <laughs> and uh, uh, without calling anyone out or throwing anyone under the bus, he did mention that some of these organizations, up to 40% of the money you give is going to overhead. Mm. And it's going to other people's salaries and copy machines and stamps and whatever else. And uh, so someone said, well, what does Remember New do about their overhead? Now, I'm sure that someone's got to pay for that. <laughs> it's interesting. He said, for the first five years, my wife and I covered it. Mm-hmm. And uh, since then, we've grown so much. I've got two friends who have basically didn't say it this way, but they have deep pockets and their, their hearts are good. And so but all three of them cover it. He said, so all the money goes to the kids. And I'll tell you what, my admiration of Remember New was already, I thought, as high as it could go. Yeah. But he put pretty much skyrocketed at that point. Mm. Um, how, can, how can we get involved? What, 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 if somebody says, I want to do something, I don't know what, we've already covered the business mm-hmm. person who's thinking maybe I can do something and still keep my job. But beyond that, how can we get involved? Well, actively, in um, every country that Remember New is in, there, there's sponsorships available for a number of children, and and I talked in the first service about uh, going online. They're trying to get everything electronic so you could go in and view the children, view their story, register, um, go online, put in your bank information. You know, that's like an automatic withdrawal every month. But here, as in our church, and I'm sure a number of others who have homes, uh, there's children available right here today, right out on this table outside in this lobby. There's a table with pictures of children and a little story that are available for you uh, to take that child and um, sow something else beyond even finances in their lives. The children are obviously still in the home, and not all of them are covered at every level. And we don't wait till the children's covered, and then we accept them. But what it does is more people take these sponsorship levels, it frees up more cash at the corporate level, and they get donors from other places that actually can sow more money into buying, getting another house, buying a van. So as, as we and grassroots support the children at these sponsorship levels, there's more funds available for higher level needs. So please, uh, we'll be out at the table. We have a meeting right after the service to talk about a trip. Um, we'd be glad to talk more about uh, children are available. What is, the, what is the process? How do I get this started? Who do I talk to? But you have children on this table right out here that are, that are waiting for sponsorship today. And I'm just going to do something I probably shouldn't do, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to invite everybody to this meeting because uh, you've got a, another way we can get involved. Tell us about this. Okay, another way that you can get involved is uh, through things like the Vacation Bible School. We had uh, uh, 
the second vacation Bible school last year in, in Kenya. The first one we had was a small one where we went to our, our home, the one where we sponsor from our church. And I just, uh, we had visited, by virtue of the fact that I'm Kenyan, we had visited um, not only our home, but several homes, including the one, one of the ones you sponsor there. And um, I just started feeling a burden that I think primarily, apart from money or whatever we can bring them because we used to bring clothes and everything, we need to give these children Jesus. The house parents are trying, but sometimes it's easier when they hear from somebody else about the love of God. And uh, so this time we went and we, the, we, we had a, a small vacation Bible school where afterwards we ministered to them. It was just a time of brokenness and the children just receiving God's love and you could see them even crying and just knowing for the first time really how deeply the father loved them and so we got uh, the burden to have it again and we had it last year for 190 children our target was 20 the 200 but like some of them were in school and could come out at that time and it was awesome. Everyone who came had a changed experience. And sometimes you might think, oh, I can't go to Africa at this time. Ah, work and what, but days away, perhaps you can be able to support those who want to go. You know, uh, you can support through prayer. You can support through coming and knowing more about this. And what exactly can I do? How can I pray? How can I support these children so that they can know that the love of the father because if we give these children a home a house everything but we don't give them jesus i think we'll have greatly failed them because primarily the reason we are doing everything we're doing is because of jesus and we want them to get a chance to know about jesus so this year we we decided to have another vacation bible school we didn't think that we would have one this year because it's election year in kenya an election here, unfortunately, uh, you guys, you think your politics is interesting? Come to Kenya. <laughs> Our politics is just off the hook, you know. And, uh, and unfortunately, the, the politicians have used it as a time to spread propaganda that has made the nation split into tribes and all that. And so it's sometimes a tense time. And so we, we didn't want to have a vacation Bible school in August, which was what we did last time. And so as we prayed, we felt like the children really want, loved it and wanted it and wanted to make it an annual event. So this year we're going in December. And this is sacrificial giving, not only of your time, but of your money, because we'll be leaving on Christmas Day, hopefully in the afternoon, and we'll be coming shortly coming back shortly after uh, after the new year um, it's not only the vacation Bible school uh, if you you're able to come you get to go on a safari and you see mm -hmm. the animals and everything and you and you get to actually visit the homes some of the homes of the children's where they stay and experience uh, their life and the weather and at the Christmas weather. time is like what there yeah, it's summer yeah <laughs> We so, were yeah. just for a week. You you throw away the snow clothes. <laughs> we were last there in January, and um, and it was like 85 and sunny every day. It was hot. It's like it's like their summer there. So it's a really nice break from that. If anything else. Oh, wonderful. Let me, let me read something as, as, as we close. Mark chapter 10. Mm -hmm. You know, there are very few things that tick Jesus off. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a couple of times he gets riled. But, mm -hmm. but, uh, 
Mark chapter 10. It says, they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, uh, that he might bless them, and his disciples rebuked them. Now, of course, Jesus doesn't have time for children for crying out loud. He's got adult things he's got to do, usher in the kingdom and on it. So he, he, Jesus rebuked them. When he saw it, he was indignant. He yelled at these guys. He got very, very upset. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms. Maybe I'm mistaken. I think this is the only place in scripture where Jesus takes anyone in his arms. People grab onto him. But he took them in his arms and he blessed them, which wasn't an empty word. Bless you, my child. Bless you. This was, this was I've got incredible value mm. on you. Uh, you are the top of, of, of the kingdom, he says. Mm. It would seem that, you know, in church history, Amy Carmichael starts her ministry, children. George Mueller, mm. children. Mm. Gladys Aylward, children. Mm. I think children are key in God's eyes. Amen. Am I, you know, so I'm, I'm grateful for what y'all do. Thank you that we can serve uh, kind of through y'all. Uh, let me pray for you, though, if I can. Yes.